Okay, Tzoraim Tov, we continue in the Sefer, Das Hasviros, we're on page Reish Samach Zion. This is our second class on the content of breaking the worlds and repairing them. And we continue discussing that this concept, very relevant to these parshas that we're in, is the source of the sins of the generation of the desert. So the author begins and says, first of all, uh, we have to explain that the Dor Hamidbor, the generation of the desert, was a very lofty generation. As the Medrash says, that Hashem measured all the generations and all the worlds. He couldn't find any nation as worthy to receive the Torah as the generation of the desert. So we see how great was the level of this generation. It was called the Dor Dea, the generation of knowledge. And therefore, we're bringing these, this understanding is necessary to apply the concept of the building and destroying, destroying and building of worlds as, a, as it applies to the generation of the desert. The great mystic, the commentary, the Leshem, he writes that the sins of the Jews in the desert are referred to as nisionos, tests, as it says uh, first of all, in, in, in Pirkei Avos, it says, Our forefathers tested Hashem ten times. And by the sin of the spies, Hashem says, Vayinosu osi, they have tested me ten times and didn't listen to my voice. And the question is, why are these sins called tests? It should have said they sinned against Hashem ten times. Why does it say they tested him? Yes? So if it is test and you can pass off it, so you shouldn't be given punishment. Right, but yeah, but so the idea is what does it mean they're testing Hashem? If they're sinning, what does it mean they're testing Hashem? I mean, if he punishes them or doesn't punish them, what, how does it apply to be a test to Hashem? So the Leshem explains that in general, the majority of the Jews never did any of the sins that are mentioned in the Torah. The real sins were done by what is called the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude. Those are the ones who joined them from Egypt. So those are really the ones who sinned, because whenever it says in the Torah the word Am, nation, it always refers to the Erev Rav. And therefore, when we're always talking about sins, it always says the Am, the nation. So really, it's those are the ones that are sinning. But the direction of the Jewish people in general, what did they do? They were trying to test Hashem, as we shall explain. For example, when you hear the words, by the first time the Jews complained they didn't have water, before the war with Amalek, when Moshe hits the stick, so before it says, Hayesh Hashem Bekirbenu Imayin, is God in our midst, or is he not? And the Leshem explains, at the generation of the desert, they were living with God's supreme conduct, that he wanted to lead them in a way that is similar to the revelation that will be when the, the world of Olam Haba, the world of Mashiach, when the world is completely perfect and the world comes to its complete uh, tikkun. Before the sin. Well, this is what God wanted to treat them in the desert. They should live that way. The Jewish people, the whole time, they, they couldn't believe it. 
They, they felt perhaps we're not worthy for such a close conduct where Hashem is showering us with everything. And therefore, even though most of them did not sin at all with the sins that are described, they didn't sin with the golden calf. That was the Erev Didn't complain about extra meat. That was the Erev All these people were the Erev the riffraff. So the question is, why didn't the rank and file good Jews shut them down? Stop them. Kill them. That's very odd. I'm sure it disturbed them. So Leshem says a big Kiddush. They were silent. The good people were silent all the time to check and test. Is Hashem's supreme conduct and that revelation with us now in all situations or not? In other words, they want to see what's going to happen. Is Hashem going to be with us under these circumstances or not? And therefore, it's defined as a test because the Jewish people the whole time were testing out Hashem to see if Hashem is going to conduct with them a supreme um, direction as the world of the perfect Tiko. Just hold on, let me just explain a little bit more and I'll be happy to take the questions. And then below in the footnote, he gives more wording of the Leshem. And he said that, of course, Hashem was planning to treat them the way he plans when the world reaches its tikkun, the eternal tikkun. And for that, you need an arousal from below. And the Jewish people must have a faith and trust that Hashem is still with them. That's the critical point. Hashem says, I want to live with you like in the ultimate tikkun, where I'm so close to you and there's nothing separating us. And you have to believe that I'm that close with you under all circumstances. However, the Jewish people are always in doubt if that could come true because they didn't, they could not believe that they're worthy enough for this. They didn't feel their kli, their utensil, their receptacle was big enough for all that Hashem was giving them. And that doubt caused the great blemishes because even though most of them were tzaddikim and they did not really sin, so what's the idea of the 10 tests? The 10 tests is they stumbled almost all of them in which they did not protest the sinners and they concealed themselves. And they did that specifically as a way of testing to clarify, will Hashem stand by them with the great light even at the time of sin? And then it's gonna be clear that that light is forever or not. And this was why they stood back and said, let's see what happens. Is Hashem involved or not, a lot or not? So guess what? Hashem kept showing them he is involved. They asked for me? You're asking for me? When I'm that close to you? Boom! Look what happened. You're asking for water? You don't trust me? Boom! I'll give you water right away. Hashem, Hashem kept saying, I am in your midst. I am in your midst. Nine times, I am in your midst. But then the 10th time when they sin with the spies and then they're complaining again. And then the question is how many really were complaining? That we can really discuss if he would apply that as well. But at this point, Hashem says, that's enough, that's enough. And therefore the real sinners were the extremists. Okay, so therefore the decree was at the end of the day, Hashem says, I guess if you really don't think I'm in your midst, then I guess I'm not. 
And guess what? If I'm not in your midst, you ain't going to be able to go to Eretz Yisrael. You kept testing me to see if I'm, are you still in our midst? You're still in our midst. Shem says, what are you testing me for? I need your faith, your bitachon. And if you show that faith in bitachon, I will always be with you. So it comes out according to the Leshem, the essence of the tests and the fallings of the generation of the, of the desert are that, that they were really on a very high level, but they couldn't contain that light. And because of that, they kept checking, is Hashem there or not? So therefore, the source of all the failures was because they felt broken and they couldn't tolerate the great level that was assumed to be there. Hashem is saying, I, I brought you out of Egypt. We're, we're going to be tight and close, and I'm going to pour it on. I'm pouring on all this goodness. And the Jews say, yeah, but when you pour all that goodness on, can, can we handle it? Are we really on that level? Can we really be up to that level? And they allowed the sinners to sin, to see it. Is Hashem still close? Hashem says, if you know it, if you're making your utensil too small, that's it. And that becomes the sin. Now, the tikkun to that is you can listen to the Parsha class I gave online where we discussed that Tikkun where many of the Tikkunim came in this Parsha. Okay, what's your question? So we just learned that uh, the Erev Rabbi should have killed them, right? Or stopped them or some protested. But we seems at least in few instances, we see that they did, right? Like like Pinkas, he did Kibbutz Hashem, then Ashkol, he went into the sea. So why? why That's just one. That was just uh, one Pinchas. Everybody else wanted to kill him. Everybody else wanted to kill him. They all thought he was a chutzpah. Like, why are you doing that? So that's not enough. It's, thank God, Pinchas was one. He stopped the deaths at 24,000. It could have been worse. It could have been more. So that that's what it takes to realize if Hashem is with you and you have to be talking to Hashem, you stand up against evil. If you're not standing up against evil, that's a sign that your vessel is not big enough. Because why why aren't you criticizing others? Don't you believe that Hashem can be with us? So that's a real important idea. This was the source of the problems of the generation of the desert. Okay, so now we have to discuss the next point. So what is the essence of the tikkun that's done after the breakage? Okay. We already said that this is part of the essence of creation. How Hashem created the world in such a way. So from the words of the Arizal and the Vilna Gaon, we can understand, so how is the Tikkun? Remember, what's the problem? Too much energy, not enough receptacle. So there's always two ways to solve such a problem. One is reduce the energy. Reduce how much goes in so the small utensil can receive. That's one way, but that's a foolish way. The other way is make your utensil bigger. And that's the real point that we're trying to, to develop here. Hashem gives you a, an energy that's too much for you. Okay, that can happen. And you fall, that also can happen. So now the question is, so what do you do next? The answer is make a bigger vessel. That's showing you, that's Hashem's kindness saying your vessel isn't big enough. You have to create a bigger vessel. I once had a discussion with a young man a number of years ago. And we got into a whole discussion. 
was somebody who uh, went to a Jewish day school, a good Jewish day school, and he was in yeshiva for a year or two. And then he was not in yeshiva. So I just asked him in the middle of a whole discussion, I said, so do you, do you learn now? Jeff sometimes like says, no. I said, why not? He said, well, I got a lot on my plate. I said, you don't got a lot on your plate. Maybe you do, but the problem is, why don't you, why don't you get a bigger plate? You know, he had work, he has this, he has that. I got a lot on my plate. Sure you got a lot on your plate. And what, what's he really saying? He's really saying my vessel is too small to take in any Torah. So I was telling him, make a bigger vessel. Get a bigger plate. That's what you need new utensils that can now receive this light. And that's the whole reason why we fall. Hashem gives you more light than you can handle because he wants you to get more light. But when you walk away and say, I can't do it, and then you fail because you don't want to receive the light, and then you sin, you have to realize the problem isn't in Hashem giving you too much. The problem is you don't want more. And you only can see that when you fail. <laughs> only when you sin and you fail do you realize my plate isn't big enough. And the Vilna Gong makes an analogy, just like, you know, tikkun, for this, as I say, tikkun machal, you're preparing food. What do you do when you have food? You take a bunch of raw ingredients and you make a food that's fit to be eaten and to sustain a person. So the tikkun we want to make after the breakage is to make it that the flow comes in a way that we're able to receive it properly. And that's what the Arizal says, that after the tikkun, what happened, when the tikkun happens, the giver and the receiver, which are also known in terms of the uh, partsufim as the, uh, the, 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 um, the uh, Zera Anpin and the Malchus, which are the names of Hashem in different ways, they're built in the proper way and they're balanced properly that Hashem gives the right amount and we receive the right amount. And that, so, so in terms of our Aveda, that Hashem, He is the one who's giving and we are the ones who are receiving. And the, 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 the form of that connection and that relationship with the Jews and Hashem and all the flow that He wants to give us is all dependent on how we prepare ourselves and want to receive. And therefore, when we're doing our mitzvahs and we're bringing pleasure to Hashem, so Hashem gives us more spiritual opportunities that are there. As it says in Tehillim, Hashem aleinu. Your chesed Hashem should be upon us kasher as we hope in you. In other words, the chesed will come to the degree that we're hoping that Hashem will give us. Or the Pesach says, Behold, Hashem's eye is upon those who fear Him, who are awaiting His kindness. So depending on how much you want, that's how much you're going to get. And a lot of that depends on your bitachon. How much do you really believe Hashem wants to give you? And He wants to give you a lot. And you say, I can't believe He can give me that much. There's way too much that I could have. He says, why are you selling yourself short? So this is the idea the world was always meant to break and repair. Break and repair. Every breakage will show itself up in an Avera. Why? Because you didn't want to contain all the energy of Hashem. If Hashem is giving you energy, you're taking it. There's no way you can be cynic. You don't want the energy. You say, oh, I, I can't learn. You can't learn? I don't know how to learn. 
So you don't get any energy. Okay, then you're gonna sin. All right, what do I do? Get a bigger plate. Try to learn more. Make yourself a bigger plate and that's going to happen to you. Okay, so the source of all this, obviously of this goodness to Hashem, is again, depending on how we situate ourselves. And going back to the basics of Derech Hashem. Right in the beginning of Derech Hashem in the second uh, section, not in the beginning, I'm sorry, the second section, he says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu only wants to give us good. And he loves his creatures like a father loves his children. But sometimes because of the love, he has to discipline us, so it'll be good for us at the end. As the Pasuk says, just as a father disciplines his child, so does Hashem discipline you. So it comes out that judgment itself is from the source of love. And whatever Musar Hashem gives you is not from an enemy that hates you, but from a father who loves you for your goodness. That's what Lutzado says in Derech Hashem. So therefore, Hashem on his own wants to give us an awesome, infinite amount of pleasure. But if he doesn't person doesn't see himself as a recipient in a proper way, he's not allowing Hashem to bring the flow. And all the deficiency of the goodness is, is sourced in the fact that the person doesn't prepare himself to receive this. And therefore, that's when failure happens. So you have to always remember, Hashem is always ready to give a lot. So why does Hashem hold it back? It's because we're not able to take it either because we don't recognize how good it is or we don't believe how much we're capable of holding on to. But if we would recognize all this, then we would receive more. And he gives an analogy in footnote Yudalit. He says, you know, you could have a river that's flowing with a lot. And a person wants to get water out of the river. So what's it going to depend on? It's going to depend on the size of his bucket. You have a small little cup, that's all you're going to get out of the river. You have a big bucket, you're going to get more. So Hashem is like this river that wants to shower you with everything. The receptacle has to be enough to take what Hashem wants to give. The more you recognize Hashem, and the more you're excited about Hashem, the bigger your receptacle is. Every day you say, Hashem, I'm, I love you, I'm so happy with you, I appreciate everything you do with me, please give me more, I'll try to do more with what you give me. That makes your plea bigger. But if you say, ah, who am I? I'm a Russia, nothing. Ugh, whatever Hashem gives me, I, I mess up. So then Hashem says, you really don't want it? So then that's not much I can do for you. This now explains the concept in Ador where we give the half shekel coin. And that was all as an atonement for the sin of the golden calf. Because we know the sin of the golden calf was a great breakage in our relationship between us and Hashem. And the tikkun is the half shekel, meaning to say that this shekel, which is the fullness, half of it is really in terms of the giver, and half of it is in terms of the receiver. And therefore, we give our half to Hashem. We've given as much as we can give in order to receive. And what are we giving? We're giving for the karbanos. And the Karbanas is our joint project to receive the benefits of Hashem. So they're saying, we're saying, we want to do our half of the coin. So Hashem goes, we want you to give your half of the coin and everything will come out perfect. With this, we can now get a better appreciation of Rosh Hashanah. What is Rosh Hashanah exactly? And everybody makes this mistake. And I think when Rosh Hashanah comes, they think the essence of the day is to decide how much to punish us. The king is coming. He's going to see how bad we've done. 
And how much is he going to punish us? That's absolutely wrong. Rosh Hashanah is the day of the Tikkun. And to stand us up anew, in a new form, as recipients. And the question really is, Hashem is looking for only one thing. How much should I give good for this year? And the only thing God is judging is, what kind of receptacle are the Jewish people coming before me now? Maybe last year you weren't such a good receptacle. What's past is past. Remember, Hashem gave whatever flow of blessing he gave last year is over. He could have given a flow that was too much for you. You didn't accept it, and you broke, and you sinned. Maybe you did tshuva. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe last year Hashem said your guy didn't want to get any flow, and Hashem didn't give you very much flow at all. But that was last year. That's past we're not interested in that right now. We're just in the coming year. And it's like you're coming to, to the gas station in heaven. And she says, do you want to fill up? Or not? Says, well, not really because, you know, the car is kind of broken. And why should I spend so much on the gas? It's probably not going to need the gas. The real judgment that's on Rosh Hashanah isn't coming to punish us. But it's an ask for Hashem looking into each and every person. How much energy will he be able to contain in the coming year? And that's the judgment where we're checking out how much can he take. So therefore, the big job is to coordinate Hashem. And to say on this Rosh Hashanah, just say one thing. God, I want to get a bigger plate. I want to accept the yoke of heaven so that I should get as much as possible. But this has to be something you want. Now, unfortunately, many a secular Jew who just comes to the synagogue as robotic behavior doesn't even know that's what he's supposed to be doing. And Hashem says, I don't know if I can give the guy very much at all because I don't know if he's ready for it. I'm going to give him all kinds of blessings. What's he going to do with those blessings? All kinds of averos. He won't be able to handle the blessings. And therefore, we can get, be, not receive a lot of benefits. But those who are saying, this is my time to really say, okay, maybe last year wasn't, I, I wasn't so much into it. But I want to work on the biggest clear I can have. And you start off by keeping over and over just espousing the praises of Hashem and how we depend on Hashem and how we want to use what Hashem gives us just for one thing to be the best ambassador of Hashem in the world and give me all these blessings with health and wealth and intelligence and shalom and all these things so that we're able to, to be wonderful recipients. And this now, now that this happens, then comes the Aseris Yimei Tshuva. We're not doing Tshuva yet. Now, obviously, the month of Elul, 30 days for Hashanah, because we have to start thinking about, what am I? Am I a utensil of Hashem or not? What kind of utensil have I been for the last 30, the last 314 days? What kind of utensil have I been? What kind of utensil do I want to be? Get yourself ready for that. And now, when now we have to look at, well, what has broken in the past? Okay. So, you know, I, I've broken a lot of my... Uh, utensils. You come to Hashem, many of us come to Hashem with broken utensils. And you got to say, you know what? I, I want to receive a lot, but 
Don't I have to fix my utensil? Don't I have to fix it? And it's not a concept of that our sins and our mistakes is, oh, never could happen. But Hashem understands that that is what's going to happen. You are going to make mistakes. So there's two points. I'm trying to make it clear. Rosh Hashanah, we don't know what, we're coming to Rosh some of us, I'm not speaking for everybody. Some of us come with a real shattered vessel. Haven't received as much as we would. Now it depends on you know, how shattered it is. If you got a leak at the bottom, well, it's hold anything. But if you got a leak near the middle, well, at least can hold half. What if your utensil is just too small and everything's flowing out of it and you can't hold on to it? Whatever it is. Now, of course, if you're at Sadiq, you have a great clean. What's the Sadiq do? Tzadik. Well, let's go back to the regular before I get to the tzadik. I'm jumping. So what you do is, okay, Hashem, I really want to have a real good receptacle this year. So it's fine. So Hashem decides on Rosh Hashanah, he's going to pour it on. But oy vavoy, you still got to broke it. Right now your receptacle is broken. How do we know that? Past experience shows your receptacle is broken. Now, we can ask ourselves, what kind of things make, what are the breaks in the utensil? How about arrogance? How about lusts? How about all the bad meals that we have? Wouldn't you say those are breaking the utensil? It can't, it can't hold the blessings. Poor self-esteem. So now, Hashem said, you, we're all confident. We've all said, if I understand, I want a big utensil, a good, perfect, bigger, bestest utensil ever. Hashem says, fine, I'm going to give it to you. Now, the flow doesn't come till after Sukkot. The actual delivery doesn't come till after Sukkot because Hashem wants to see what's, what is he looking for now. And Rosh Hashanah is saying, okay, we're bringing you like 10 megatons of blessing, which is really great. But right now your utensil can only hold like a tenth of that. Or some of you can't even hold anything. So now build up your, your cleaver, please. So how do you do that? Ten days of chuva. Look at the Averis you did. Don't only do chuva on the Averis. That's not the point. Do the chuva on the broken cleave that you developed. Your poor meatos. You don't believe that Hashem really wants to give you all that. You don't feel you're deserving of it. Whatever it is. And now repair that. And repair that first out of fear until Yom Kippur. But then repair it out of love on Sukkot. And I want to see by the end of these two weeks or so, three weeks actually, I want to see how much you really want from me, how much you're happy with being an ambassador of Hashem. And that's why it's so symbolic that on Sukkot, as we've been learning in the Gemara class, that what was the great celebration was the Simchas Beis HaShoeva, the water drawing ceremony. Very symbolic, right? Besides everything else, you're drawing the water. How much water are you going to draw in this time? We know that Yonah got his prophecy during the water drawing ceremony. In other words, what makes a Klee a big, strong Klee? What makes a big, strong Klee? Happiness being a Jew. Committing to being a Jew and you're thrilled and you're happy with everything Hashem wants to give you. That's the biggest Klee that you could make. And then finally when Sukkot is over, and we have Simchas Torah because we're, we truly believe we've increased our Kli and Hashem is going to pour it on with us, which is all symbolic of the rain that falls 
during the winter. You want to have rain at the right time. And hopefully you've prepared the ground. You've plowed and you've planted and you've done everything to prepare the land. So you got to plow and plant and prepare everything. So when Hashem brings you all that, your clea is ready for it. So that really is in a nutshell what Elul, Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur are. Elul, you examine what kind of clea did, did you create or did you destroy during the year. Now, that's for a person who has sinned. What about a tzaddik? Tzaddik hasn't sinned. But a tzaddik, no matter how wonderful you are, and you got a nice size clea, you got a nice size clea. But is there any limit as to how big the clea can be? Let's say you got a clea as big as waste, you know, these these tankers that can hold like a thousand gallons of water, whatever. That's tzaddik. So what could he ask for? What do you mean a tanker? It's two thousand gallons of water. Well, how do you do that? Well, you know what? No matter how great you are, there's always room for more. There's high levels. So his chuva isn't the chuva of sinning. It's, remember, all, the, all we're trying to do is to create bigger utensils. His utensil wasn't broken. His utensil wasn't broken. But he, he got the max, as we'll see in a couple more pages. But does that mean the max is the max? The max is the max, because Hashem knows that's the max he can hold. He's a tzaddik. I'm not going to give him more. He's got plenty. I don't need to break him. But I can't give him more unless he really wants more. But how can he get more? That would require you going beyond your normal limits. Yeah, that's true. We'll get to that in a few, another day or so. But that means it's therefore, you, you can ask, now you understand why does the tzaddik have to be involved in Rosh Hashanah? Let's say the tzaddik knows he hasn't sinned. He hasn't sinned. He, he really hasn't sinned. He's been very careful. He hasn't sinned. Does everything fine. And he leads a superlative Jewish life. But even that person, can live a, even a better. There's no end to the infinite. There's no end to, to growing even more. And therefore, there's no difference between the Russia and the Tzaddik in this area only. Each one can improve on the Kli that they have. The Russia improves on his rotten Kli. The Tzaddik improves on his amazing Kli. Or let's put it in a little better way. We got now iPhone what? 14? What, what's it holding at? 14, yeah. 14. Do you mean to say iPhone 13 was terrible? Oh, it was terrible. It was the worst. It always had all oh, this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem. No, it's probably a pretty good phone there. But, so why bother with an iPhone 14? But who's got an iPhone 14? Nobody. <laughs> I don't know what you get with an iPhone 14. You didn't have with a 13. But I know in previous iterations, let's go back, the very first iPhones, I don't think they made very good movies. I don't think they made movies at all in the beginning ones. Maybe iPhone 1, iPhone 2. Obviously, they make pretty darn good movies now. That must have happened somewhere between 1 and 14. There's anything wrong with a phone that doesn't take movies? Nothing wrong with that. It's a good phone. Yeah, but you know, you could really pick up things that you couldn't pick up otherwise. And then you could send it out for chesed, not just for hurting people. You can do some powerful things. You know, I'm in the store, and the husband doesn't know what to buy. 
She says, well, get the woman. So I don't know. Here, I'll take a picture. I'll show it to you. They're talking. Is this the right one? Oh, no, that's not the one. The other one. Now, on the phone, you wouldn't. That, that enhanced the phone conversation. Well, why didn't they say, well, we're happy with the iPhone 4? Because communication can be enhanced. That's the theory, at least. The communication can be enhanced. I made a bigger clee. The phone became a bigger clee. So in that area, like who, it, the only reason you don't have an iPhone 14, all you guys, is because you don't want to spend the money on it. And you don't have the money to spend on it. If you're a multi-millionaire, you get one. And if you had someone who give you a, a, a lessons on the spot, you know, and show you exactly how to use it, you get it. But it's too much of a pain. It's very expensive. It's more than what you need. But then again, our vision is not that big. People who have bigger social communication visions say, why should I be happy with a little bit when I can have so much more? So that is the concept of the chuba and the whole process of the high holidays. We'll stop it over here and hopefully finish the section tomorrow.